last Wednesday, and uh, Jesus told, told stories, and remember what a parable is? It's a, it's a natural story that teaches a spiritual truth, so come and get in on those. In fact, we've listed some of them on the back of your bulletin, and uh, you can start reading up on those. Come if you can on Wednesday, 7 to 8, we'd love to have you. Father, we thank you for your goodness, we thank you for your mercy, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. And we always account it an honor and a privilege, sir, to be able to do that. And we trust as your word goes out, it'll be a blessing, and the people will hear what it is the Spirit of God saying from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can, you can be seated. Let's open to 1 John, the third chapter, if you would. 1 John, the third chapter. Now, while you're turning there, I, I, I seldom tell you what I'm going to be teaching on next week, but I'll tell you now, unless we're doing a series, of course, but next week we're going to be teaching on, on something or other on the grace of God. How many of you are glad for the grace of God? Everybody likes to hear about that, and rightly so. But in order to get to the grace of God, we need this message today. And... Uh, so everybody likes to hear about the grace of God. That's, that's important. That's good. But before we can get to that, we have to talk about this message today. So you really need to take what I'm going to say next week along with what I'm going to say today to get the full picture. I just don't have time to get it all in in one, in one service. Now, how many of you realize that we live in a sinful society? It's a very sinful society. But we live in a day where I don't think many people, including a lot of Christians, really know what that really even means anymore. Titling this message today, What is Sin? What is sin? Now in 1 John, the third chapter and the fourth verse, I'm going to read this from the... I usually use the New King James Version or the King James Version, you know. This, this time I'm going to read this one out of the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen. The New Living Translation, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, will tell us what sin is. Everyone who sins is what? They're breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. So what is sin? It's very simply breaking God's law, uh, breaking God's commands. And when somebody breaks God's commands, then that's, that's sin. Now, when you think about the law and you think about God's commands, I don't know about you, but I think about the Ten Commandments, breaking the Ten Commandments. And really, you know, there's many laws, there's many rules that God has, you need to realize that anytime God has a rule, it's not so that he doesn't put the rule in place to make our life miserable. Did you hear me? He puts the rule in place to keep us free. Did you get what I just said? Because see, a lot of people think God's an old fuddy-duddy and, and that he's got all these rules and regulations, you know, but he's not an old fuddy-duddy. He does have rules and regulations, but the rules and regulations are not to keep us from having fun. It's that when we, when we keep the rules and regulations, we're really going to have real true fun Amen. that will be long-lasting. Right. See, we'll, we'll say this again in a minute. You know, sin is fun on the flesh, but sin always leads to death. It doesn't lead to death right away necessarily or tomorrow or the next day or the day after that or the day after that. But eventually, the Bible talks about sin when it is fully matured or fully grown, it produces death. But sin is fun. Don't ever let anybody tell you that it's not. It's fun. What is sin? It's breaking God's command. Breaking God's commands are fun on the flesh. But ultimately... Not today, necessarily, or tomorrow, the next day, or the day after that. But eventually, breaking God's rules will lead to what? Death. To what? Death. To death. The Bible says the wages of sin is, is death. But, you know, we think about these Ten Commandments. And I'm just going to mention them. I could take days and 
Sunday after Sunday and teach on them, but but the Ten Commandments probably summarize as best as anything all of God's commands in a nutshell. Just briefly, the first one, you'll have no other gods before me. Remember that? And the second is like unto it, really. You'll, you shall not make for yourselves idols. You'll not bow down to them and serve them. And I don't think anybody that I know would make a golden calf and worship it like the Israelites did. But you know, there's a lot of things that Christians have as idols in their life. You know, anything you put ahead of God is an idol. And when we put anything ahead of God, that thing becomes an idol to us. And then when we serve it rather than God, we commit sin. You'll not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Here's another one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You'll not murder, commit adultery. A lot of times people don't know. I I remember when I was a kid going to church, I didn't know what adultery meant. I just know the preacher said I shouldn't do it. I didn't know what it meant. And looked it up one time in the dictionary and found out that adultery is when uh, you have a married person having sexual relations with someone they're not married to. That's what adultery is. And then fornication, that's when two unmarried people are having sexual relations. And that's sinful as well. You shall not steal, lie, you shall not covet. Always wanting what somebody else has. See, we talk a lot about, many times, sexual sins, but how many of you know there's other sins besides sexual sins? They get picked on maybe more than others, but how many of you know lying is a sin, isn't it? Well, I didn't lie, Pastor. I told the half-truth. How many of you know a half-truth equals a what? A whole, a whole lie, doesn't it? But, you know, when we break these things, when we, when we tell a lie or if we steal something or, or whatever the case may be, when we don't honor our father or our mother, we don't honor the house of God as we should. These things are sin. But you need to realize that sin... Now, what is sin? Does anybody know what it is? Breaking God's law, right? Now, we talked about the Ten Commandments, but you need to realize that people sinned before the Ten Commandments were given through Moses. If you would, look at Romans 5, verse 13. Again, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Romans 5, verse 13 People sinned before the law or the Ten Commandments were given. Notice Romans 5.13, yes. People sinned even before the law was given. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And the most notable case of this, I think, would be Adam. Now, in the Garden of Eden, Adam didn't have those Ten Commandments on the two tablets that Moses had. Is that correct? He didn't have the... Adam didn't have that, but he had a command from God, didn't he? He And he had a rule, didn't he? And what is sin? Breaking God's commands or rules. And his, his rule was, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day you eat thereof you shall surely what? Die. So... He's, he was t- God was telling him, if you break my rule, you will, what? You will, you, you'll die. It'll bring death. What's the wages of sin? What's the payment for sin? Death. Now, now does that death always occur uh, immediately? No, but it will occur, won't it? Because the Bible promises it. But notice in Romans 5... 12 here, New Living Translation, just up one verse. The Bible says, when Adam, when Adam what? When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Now, Adam sinned, didn't he? He committed sin. He didn't have the Ten Commandments, but he had a rule from the Lord, and he disobeyed it. He broke it, and he sinned. And, of course, sin entered, entered the world, affected all of us. And so the question then is, why, why ultimately did God give the law? 
Why ultimately did he give the law? Why did he give the Ten Commandments? Why did he give the law? Well, look at verse 20 here. Notice here. Romans 5 verse 20. God's law was given so that all people would see how sinful they were. So why did God give the law? Why did he give the Ten Commandments? Why did he give the list of rules? It was right here according to the Bible. The law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Now I'm going to refer to this again in just a few minutes, but I, 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 want, I want, to, want you to get it now so that when I get to it here in a few moments, you'll, you'll, you, it'll, be, it'll be in your thinking. Did God, why did he give the law? He gave the law so that people could see how, sin, see how sinful they were. Is that correct? Is that right? So to me, because I've heard this said over the years, well, you don't need to stand in the pulpit and preach on sin. You don't need to tell people about sin. They already know they're sinners. Well, not according to the word of God. If people already knew they were sinners, then why did God, why did God give the law? He gave the law to tell people that they were sinners. But I've heard people say, I've heard preachers say, I've heard, I've, I've been, I've, I've heard this over the many years. Don't stand in the pulpit, preach on sin. Because people already know they're sinners. According to the Bible, no, they don't. Because if they knew, he wouldn't have to give the law. Is that right? right. Now, is that right or is that not? Right. See, I'll admit that People would rather hear a message on grace than a message on sin, but the message on grace is, 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 is not powerful unless you first have the message on sin. Now, from the Ten Commandments, is there just one rule that God has or are there many rules that God has? There's many. There's not just one way to commit a sin, is that right? There's many ways. There's a variety of ways to sin. And uh, the Greek definition for sin means this, missing the mark. Real loud say missing the mark. mark. Has anybody ever missed the mark in here, God's mark besides me? Well... If, 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 you weren't a, if you didn't raise your hand, you just committed a sin as lying. Doesn't the Bible say that all have sinned? How many know we've all missed it, haven't we? We've all missed it. It's a missing the mark or falling short of God's commands. Now let's try that one more time. How many has ever missed the mark, God's mark besides me? I mean, I mean, we all have. We've all missed it. And uh, again, there's a variety of sins. Sexual sin is usually the first mentioned and talked about so much that other sins get left out. One thing that I have noticed over the years, it's usually the Christian, quote unquote, Christian gossipers and talebearers are usually the ones that are picking on other people's sins, particularly sexual sins. How many of you know gossiping is a sin, isn't it? How many of you know tail-bearing is a sin? How, how many of you know talking bad about people behind their back is a sin, isn't it? Is lying a sin? Is failing to honor your parents a sin? Yeah. Is putting something ahead of God a sin? Is murdering a sin? Yeah. Is always wanting what somebody else has, is that a sin? Yeah, it is. Is taking the name of the Lord in vain a sin? Yeah. Is gossiping a sin? Is tail-bearing a sin? Is talking bad behind somebody's back a sin? There's many ways to sin. Pastor, why are you teaching on this? Because I'm supposed to, as a preacher, from time to time I'm supposed to preach on this. 
it makes what I'm going to preach on next week so much more powerful. Because where sin does, does abound, the grace of God abounds even more. Amen? Um, I just mentioned a variety of things, but notice this. The Bible says that whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. So is failing to believe God in a certain area, is that sin? It is. Um, How about not attending church regularly? Is that a sin? Oh, yes, it is. Somebody said, well, we don't have to go to church. I beg to differ with you. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Is Is that a command that God has given? Yes, it is. And you could fit it right in there about remembering the Sabbath day. You know, you could, you could make argument that, I mean, there needs to be the, the early church. They met on the first day of the week, you know, primarily. Now you could argue they met other times, but, but certainly that's how they opened up their week. The first thing they did, first day of the week, is they, they uh, honored God and they assembled together. Now, I didn't say you have to come to church every single service. I didn't say that. But you need to be assembling yourselves together regularly. Can anybody say amen? And if not, if you don't do that, it's a, it's sin. Okay? Do you understand? Here's another one that doesn't get talked about a lot. How about showing favoritism? Showing favoritism. The Bible says in the book of James, if you show partiality, you commit sin. Showing favoritism is sin. Back in the context of what that, when that was given is when the people came to church, the rich people got to sit in a certain place, like maybe up front, and the poor people got pushed to the back. Now, how many of you know that's sin, isn't it? And the Bible says if we show favoritism, if we show partiality, if we treat certain people better because they have money or something like that, how many of you know that is sin, isn't it? You know there's sins of commission, sins we commit, but did you know there's also sins of omission? The Bible says in the book of James, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And again, I said it a while ago, is sin, now what is sin? It's breaking God's commands or laws. Is sin fun? It, it, It is fun. It's fun on the flesh. The flesh, you know what I mean by that? Loves to break God's laws. Uh, The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that, how many remembers Moses? You remember Moses? And the Bible says that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That means for a short time. Uh, How many of you, if I brought a, a, a bucket full of gravel, do you know what gravel is? How many knows what gravel is? like those little rocks. And I said, open your mouth and I'm going to pour, your, pour these, this gravel into your mouth. How many of you would like that? You wouldn't like that, would you? I wouldn't. If you read and study the book of Proverbs, that's the end result of sin. Initially, sin is, is if we're comparing it to, to, your, to your taste buds, initially sin is, is very tasty. And it's it's you know, like, like eating a cherry pie, you know, it's real, you know, or an apple pie, it's real tasty. But the end result of sin is like having a mouthful of gravel. The wages of sin is death. Now, sin is fun, but it's only for a short time, for a season. And initially it's fun, but eventually it leads to destruction. Oh, if we could just all get a, get a revelation of that, you know. I said all that to get to this. And I've already alluded to it, but I just, I feel impressed of the Spirit of God to cover this. 
and you need to be aware of it. The main church growth strategy used in the United States over the past many years is this. Pastors do not talk about sin from the pulpit. Along with other subjects like the bloody cross. How many of you know Jesus' cross was bloody? But you know, I'm not going to stop teaching about the bloody cross because it's by the blood of Jesus that we're saved. But they'll say, don't teach that from the pulpit because it's gory and people, it'll offend people. They say, don't, don't preach on sin. Don't talk about sin. Don't, don't talk about the bloody cross. And then they'll say this, because I, I, I've heard them say it in, 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 in you know, strategy meetings of how to grow your church. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about the bloody cross. And whatever you do, don't talk about hell. Don't mention that. Folks, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. They say don't talk on these things because they'll offend people. Also in these church growth, these church growth experts, because I've heard them with my own ears, they've said this, people already know they are saved. You don't ever need to preach on sin. People already are, they are, I'm sorry, people already know they're sinners. People already know they're sinners. You don't need to preach on sin. People already know they're sinners. You don't need to preach on sin. People already know they're sinners. That's what I've heard these church growth experts say many, many times. Don't preach on sin. Don't preach on the bloody cross. Don't preach on hell. Whatever you do, don't preach on hell. How many knows hell is real? How many, it really is. But they'll say, don't preach on sin. Don't preach on the cross. Don't preach on, I'm talking in present day, going on right now throughout this, this nation, even in the city of St. Louis. Don't preach on sin. Don't preach on the bloody cross. Don't preach on hell, whatever you do. And whatever you do, you don't need to tell people uh, that they're sinners. They already know they're sinners. Don't tell people they're sinners. They already know they're sinners. Now, have I already shown you from the word of God that that's not true? Yes or no? But I've heard them say it. Don't, Don't preach on sin. People already know they're sinners. I'm here today to tell you on the authority of the word of God, no, they don't. We need to lovingly, now we don't need to beat them over the head. This is the Bible. You know what I've learned? You can take this Bible as a preacher and you can wield it like a meat cleaver or you can wield it like the knife of a surgeon. Now when you wield it like a... And you can do this the same thing, not being a preacher, but but being, being a Christian, when you share the word of God, you can wield it like a meat cleaver or you can wield it like the knife of a surgeon. Now, when I was younger in ministry, I'd get in the pulpit and I'd come up and I'd wheel the word of God like a meat cleaver. How many of you know you can do a lot of damage and hurt a lot of people if you, if you come in with a meat cleaver and just start swinging it around? Is that right? So I've had to learn over the years to, to when we share the word of God, let's, let's share the sword of the spirit, but let's don't do it like I'm wielding a meat cleaver. Let's, let's wield it like I'm wielding the, 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 the knife of a surgeon. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you would rather have surgery performed on you with a meat cleaver or with the knife of a skilled surgeon? So you can take the word of God, beat people up with it and cut them all up. That's not what I'm all about. And the Lord had to get on me years ago and, and correct me in some things. But dear friends, I have to stand here at the direction of the spirit of God as he directs and, and preach on sin from time to time. Did you hear what it just said? Now, I don't need to stand here and do it like I'm wielding a meat cleaver, but I do need to stand here and, and do it like I'm wielding the knife of a surgeon. And see, one of the jobs of a pastor is to come in here with the word of God and like a surgeon, cut things spiritually, cut things off of you that need to be cut off. Like if there's gossip going on in your life, I need to stand here and, and I don't need to embarrass you or anything like that. But, but I need to preach on it and let the Holy Ghost go in there, take the word of God and cut that out of you. 
How many of you would rather have that cut out of you now than, and, and get it squared up now? That'd be a better deal, wouldn't it, than, than going before the judgment seat of Christ and having the fire of God hit you. Can anybody say amen? amen. But, 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 but the, don't, they'll say, don't preach these church growth experts. Don't preach on sin. Well, I understand where they're coming from because who wants to come and listen to sin? Wouldn't people rather come and be entertained? Do you notice we don't entertain you around here? We don't come to entertain. We're not here to entertain. We're, we're here, we come to worship. I don't have smoke and mirrors and all. That's not why we're here. We're here to worship God. Did you hear what I just said? But, but, but I understand people don't want to come and listen to, to a message on sin. They'd rather come and listen to a message on how to get rich quick. But you know what? I tell you what, if you serve God, you won't get rich quick. But if you serve him over time, in the process of time, he'll, he'll, he'll make you abundant in all things. Can anybody say amen to that? But here's the deal. I'll say don't preach on sin. People, people already know they're sinners. No, they don't. Why did God give the law? To let people know they're sinners. James cried out to his church. Here's what he cried out. James, you think I'm tough. James, he said, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty strong, isn't it? And Paul told Pastor Timothy, he said this to him. He said, you as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. Now, how many of you know the Apostle Paul would not be invited to lead any sessions in these church growth, in these church growth meetings? Now, you need to understand that the Apostle Paul, how many of you have respect for the Apostle Paul? He would not be invited to come to these church growth seminars let me tell you, a lot of these big, massive churches, not all of them, some of them are good, but a lot of them, did you know if, if you turn Jesus loose in the pulpit, that he'd, he'd, he'd empty about two-thirds of them out inside of about two weeks? Did you hear what I just said? And the Apostle Paul would do the same thing, and James would do the same thing. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? And Paul's not going to get invited to be the, to be, now I don't know about you, but I'd love to have the Apostle Paul come here and preach. I, I'd love to, how many, I'd love to have Jesus come here and preach. How about you? Wouldn't that be wonderful? How many of you know, and you need to know this, there's a lot of churches, yea, even in this city, that wouldn't let Jesus come and teach in their pulpits. Did you hear what it just said? They wouldn't let the Apostle Paul, they certainly wouldn't let James. Paul said, you as a preacher, you can find this in 2 Timothy. This is in the Amplified Bible. You don't believe me? 2 Timothy 4.2. We'll throw it up on the screen. Because I see some of you, let's, let's put that up there. Let's take a look at it. And I'll, I'll say it again in case you missed it. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word of God. This is Paul talking to young Pastor Timothy. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct See, patiently, don't yield it like a meat cleaver, yield it like a pen of a, sur uh, 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 a knife of a surgeon. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. I, I need the amplified, please. The amplified. The amplified. I want the amplified. I, I know we were using new... Here, let's read this. Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand and ready, whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfair, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you as a preacher of the word are to show people, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh my gosh, are to, are, what am I supposed to do if I'm doing my job? To show people in what way their lives are. Now you just got kicked out of many churches. They're not going let, to let, let me come preach in, 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 in a lot of them. Convince them, rebuke them, correct them, warn them, urge them, and what? And encourage them. Being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. The History Channel. Has anybody ever heard of that? Is running a mini-series right now titled The Bible. It began last Sunday evening and will continue tonight. And I plan to watch. Overall, I commend them for what they are doing. Did you hear what I just said? However, last week, and this is, this is not critical, this is, I just, 
The Lord, Spirit of God wants me to point it out to you so you can see what's going on. However, last week, when they covered the destruction of Sodom, did anybody happen to watch that last week? They covered the destruction of Sodom. If you watch the show, just the show, what was the sin of Sodom that caused it to be destroyed by God? If you just watch the show. When that was playing, I was minding my own business, just sitting there kind of watching it with my wife and just kind of enjoying it, you know. And, and you know what? Some of the minor details, you know, they, they didn't get all the minor details right in line with the Bible. You know, how many of you know it's hard to, hard to, 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 put, to cover the whole Bible and get every minor detail? I'm not concerned with them missing, messing up on minor details. Do you understand? Like I can't find where Sarah ran up after Abraham on the mountain. I could care less about that. I mean, those are, those are minor piddly details. But this, when I was watching this, I'm sitting there minding my own business and the Holy Spirit just, just got my attention. If you watch the show, I'm talking about the times we're living in now. Stick with me because I think it's going to get real interesting. It's been interesting. I think it's going to get more interesting as we go these last 15 minutes or so. If you watch the show... I'm not, I'm not being critical here. I'm going to watch it again tonight. I think they're doing a, 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 the best they can. It's good. But you need to see what's going on here in this, in this nation. When they covered the destruction of Sodom, if you watched only the show, what was the sin of Sodom that caused it to be destroyed? Now, if you know the Bible... And if you didn't watch a show or if you did watch a show, if you know the Bible, you would assume, and I heard some people say it, well, homosexuality. But from the show, you could not reasonably, just if, if you didn't know the Bible, or even if you knew the Bible, if you just watched the show, you could not reasonably conclude that it was destroyed, even in part, because of homosexuality. On the show, they said it was because of horrible sin. But what sin? I'd encourage you, go back and look at it. I watched it a couple of times through. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. The Holy Spirit just jerked me and said, what sin was it? They said horrible sin, but what sin was it? And then the Spirit of God pointed this out to me. I seldom talk this bold, but he pointed this out to me. And, I, and I'll let you cut my head off before I say it isn't, isn't so. The Holy Spirit pointed out to me and said that there was a conscious, on-purpose decision by the producers to leave that vague so as to not offend anyone, including homosexuals. He showed me the behind the scenes in the secret board meetings. That part, it was discussed, and that part... They made an on-purpose decision to leave the destruction of Sodom vague. Nowadays, because they didn't want to offend anyone, including homosexuals, nowadays even some of the pastors of the largest churches in the United States are calling homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. Or they'll say it's not the best lifestyle. Or they'll say it's not the lifestyle they would choose. Instead of calling it what it is, it is sin. That's like when you're asked, is Jesus the only way to God the Father? My answer to that based on this book is yes, Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Game, set, and match. But nowadays you have pastors of some of the largest churches in the land will say, well, well, he's the best way. He's the way I have chosen. He's the way I would recommend that you choose. How many of you know Jesus is the only way? Jesus said that he is the only way to the Father, period. Did I stutter? Do you understand where where I'm at? Did I, I didn't? And if, a, and if a pastor cannot answer that question, you shouldn't listen to that man. Amen. Come on. Amen. 
I had one lady tell me years ago, this has been going on for some time, and she said, but I like listening to those preachers. They make me feel so warm and fuzzy on the inside. Yeah, but they're preaching you damnable doctrine. How many of you like uh, glazed donuts? What if, anybody? Fresh, crispy cream. What if I brought a dozen of them in here and sat them there? How many really would kind of like maybe taking a shot at those babies? But what if I told you one of them, one of them had just a little strychnine poison in it? Now, now take your chances. Now, all of a sudden, you'd be backing off that, right? But, but you've got a whole dozen of them there. They look so nice and wonderful. Yeah, but one of them's got something in it's going to kill you. That's what we're dealing with, folks, in this land right now. We're, de- we're, we're, we're dealing with this stuff that's going on. And, and, and yeah, I'd rather preach some other message and make you hip, hip, hoorah, but this is, the Holy Ghost is still running this pulpit, by the way. I don't have a board of deacons running it. I don't have a board of elders running it. My wife isn't running it, and you're not running it, and I'm not running it. The Holy Ghost is running it. Amen. Did you hear what I just said? I don't care if you hip, hip, hurrah or not. This is what the Holy Ghost is saying. You notice when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach, he said, go preach to it the word I tell you. That's why you'll never see a suggestion box in this church as what I ought to preach. Because you or nobody else is going to tell me what to preach. It's the Holy Ghost is going to, boy, boldness on me right now. I wish I had a television camera in front of me. I'd need bodyguards by the time I got out of here. Can you say amen? Amen. Nowadays, even some of the pastors of the largest churches in the United States are calling homosexuality an alternative lifestyle or not the best lifestyle or not the lifestyle they would choose instead of calling it what it is, it's sin. Let me tell you something. I've got nothing but compassion for homosexuals. I've got nothing but, I mean, my my message next week on grace would bless any sinner. You understand? And, and, And I've got nothing but compassion and love. But I tell you what, to stand there and not tell anybody the truth of the matter, that's not a sign that you love them. That's a sign that you don't love them. Dear friends, homosexuality is not an alternative lifestyle. Dear friends, it's sin. You need to realize the producers of the History Channel's Bible miniseries are working in conjunction with some of these pastors. They've called them in to advise them on some of these these things they're doing on this Bible miniseries. It's no wonder to me that when it came to the destruction of Sodom, they're not going to tell you on that show that it was homosexuality. They said horrible sin, but they didn't tell you what the horrible sin was. Dear friends, you know, you need to realize, I don't, I'm not just picking on the sin of homosexuality. How many of you know lying is sin, right? And backbiting is sin, all that. I've made myself clear. But did you know homosexuality is sin also? Did you know that as it pertains to churches that either the world becomes like the church or the church becomes like the world? When you walk into this church, I want you to know that you've walked in to the house of God. I'll say that again. When you walk into this church, I want you to know that you've walked into the house of God. Either the world becomes like the church or the church becomes like the world. If you walk into a church and you can't tell, did I just walk into Walmart or did I walk into the church? There's something wrong there. Is that right? You walk in somewhere to a church. I don't know if I walked into a church or did I walk into a nightclub. How many of you know that there's something wrong there? Can can anybody say amen? When you walk into this church, I want you to know, and, and, and I've had young people, especially young people over the years, I've had them come to me and say, when I walked into this place, there's just, some, there's just something different about this place. And when you walk into this church, I don't want you to think you've walked into Walmart. I don't want you to think that you've walked into Target. I don't want you to think that you've walked in, 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 in into a nightclub. I want you to know that you've walked into the house of God where Jesus is the central focus, where he's exalted above men, women, boys, 
boy and girl where he's exalted above programs, where he's exalted above everything else, where his healing power is, is flowing, where his grace is flowing, where his goodness is flowing, where the love of God is flowing, where there's brethren and sisters, men and women around that's going to love you, that the angels of God are in, are, are working, bless God, that where the word of God is going forth in love and compassion, but it's also thundered from the pulpit when thundering is necessary. That's what I want this church to be. Can anybody say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did you realize that homosexuality becoming an accepted practice is typically a sign that a nation is getting ready to fall? I'm going to say that again. When homosexuality is accepted as a, as, as a practice, it's a sign, one of many, that a nation is getting ready to fall. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but homosexuality is being accepted in this nation by our head politicians, by the President of the United States. Ezekiel 16.49. Ezekiel 16.49. New King James. Thank you. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. What does the Bible say it was? She and her daughter had what? Come on, guys. Let's see. Is it on this? Can y'all read? Come on. Ezekiel 16, 49. If you would, if you just do a little pulling in the spirit, we could get everything what the... Come on, guys. Amen. Are you out there? Yes. Ezekiel 16, 49. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had what? Pride. Pride and then what? And what? So was it just homosexuality? No, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Now, verse 50. And they were what? Haughty and? They committed abomination before me, therefore I took them away as I saw fit. They committed what? Abomination. Abomination. Now, we don't know what that is. Leviticus 18.22. New King James Version. Do you have Leviticus 18.22? You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. I'll say it so you can understand it. You shall not have sex with a man as you, as you would with a woman. It is a what? I could game, set, and match it right there, but let's go on. Jude 1 and 7. Jude 1 and 7. Be quick in your Bibles. Yield your swords quickly. (laughs) Jude 1 and 7. Do you have, there's only one chapter, verse 7. Do you have that? As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves over to what? Fornication. Sexual immorality, fornication, and gone after what? Gone after what? Strange flesh. Now, any Bible scholar, any Bible student that is fair has to conclude, there's no doubt about it, that's talking about homosexuality. Period. Unless you're going to be dishonest. Now, I could game, set, and match it right there. You know what I mean, game, set, and match? But let's go on. Let's give you, I'll keep dealing the deck here. Genesis 19, verse 4. Genesis 19, verse 4. NIV, dear sister, NIV on this one. We'll read it in the NIV. Genesis 19.4. Genesis 19.4, NIV. This is talking about Sodom. This is the scene that they had on the History Channel last week. I'm just going to go on a few more minutes. Just bear with me. Do you have Genesis 19, verse 4? Now, the angels have come into Sodom. Lot has greeted them. He's taken them over to the house, you know. And, And there they are. And before they'd gone to bed, there were the angels, Lot and his family, they were getting ready to go, just go to bed, go to sleep. 
all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Now they didn't show you that on the history. They didn't put that on there. They had men coming down, banging on the door, but that wasn't clear. And I'm telling you by the spirit of God, that was left out on purpose so as not to offend anybody, particularly homosexuals. Verse six, Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. He says, I got two virgin daughters here. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with them what you like. He offered him his virgin daughters. He says, don't do anything to these men, you know, these angels, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they said. They replied, and they said, this fellow came here, Lot, as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you and worse than them. They kept uh, bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. What were they after? Those two angels, those men, to have what? To have sex with them. They didn't tell you that in the movie last week and I'm telling you it was on purpose because this nation is moving in this direction of homosexuality. I didn't say, I didn't say all people, I didn't say all churches, but what I am telling you that is prevalent and you don't have, I mean, even a blind person could see what's going on. When you have the president standing up and propagating this all the way through, not everybody, but so many of them, dear friends, this is very serious. This is very serious. And I could read scripture after scripture after scripture. We could go to Romans, the first chapter, and we could, we could see that homosexuality is condemned in scripture. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 for the sake of time. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 for the sake of time, if you would. And this is New King James Version, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Now, now, what are we reading about here? We're reading about people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you all get that? Will not, will not, will not. Don't be what? Don't be what? Deceived. deceived. It's real easy to be deceived. Well, it's just not so bad. Everybody's doing it. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm not doing it. Do not be deceived. Neither What? That means having sex when you're not married. Idolaters, putting anything ahead of God. Adulterers, that's being married and having sex with somebody you're not married to. Nor what? Homosexuals, nor sodomites. And then it goes on. Nor thieves, covetous, drunkards. See, there's more than just sexual sin. Revilers, extortioners. None of these will what? Now, is that plain or is that plain? How many of you know God is all for sex? How many of you know he is? How many of you know he invented it? How many know he did? How many of you know though he put a rule on it, didn't he? It's for a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. Say, say this, say sex is for, boy, it's hard for some of you to throw that out, but okay, say sex is for a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. Now, and the Bible says marriage is honorable and the marriage bed is, is undefiled. But adulterers and whoremongers, God will judge. Many pastors, and I'll conclude with this, many pastors in this nation, now you really need to listen to what I'm saying to you now. I said all that to get right here. Many pastors in this nation, including St. Louis, would call me a mean-spirited preacher. There may be some people in here today that you think I'm mean-spirited, but I'm not. I'm just a man of God standing here teaching you the word of God. And I'm doing it with as much love and compassion I can muster. But you need to understand this. Many pastors in this nation, and I'm talking about in the same, I'm talking, yea, not very far from where I stand, would call me a mean-spirited preacher. Not extending a hand of compassion, but rather shaking my finger at people and snarling at them. I didn't snarl at anybody today, did I? And this is one of the most damnable things I have ever dealt with in all of my life. To speak... 
please get this. When a man stands in a pulpit and smiles from ear to ear and says, well, Jesus is the best way. Now, is that damnable or is that damnable? That's damnable. But here's what the devil's doing. For me to say anything against that, I'm not talking bad about the man. I'm, talking, I'm judging what he's saying. For me to even talk bad about that is like talking bad about Mary Poppins. How many of you know you don't talk bad about Mary Poppins? You can get beat up for talking bad about Mary Poppins. Is that right? How many of you know who Mary Poppins is? You just don't do that. How many of you know Dorothy on The Wizard of Oz? You don't talk bad about Is that right? You just don't do it. So for me to, to, to talk, I'm not, even, I'm not knocking a person. We're supposed to judge what ministers say, aren't we? You need to judge what I say. For me to say that what that is smiling ear to ear, and everybody loves to listen to it, but when they can't answer a heaven-hell question, and say, well, I think he's the best way. Uh, God, my God, Jesus is the only way. But for me to say anything about it, I am, I am branded by everybody and their brother as mean-spirited and mean and nasty. And when you come right down to it, I'm, the, I, we're, I'm telling you the truth. But here's where it ends. And I've been trying to get to this, but here's it. Do you know that what I just did in the last 40 minutes would be considered by many in this nation, including most politicians, as a hate speech? Now you better, re- you better listen real closely now. I said you better say I'm listening. You better listen real closely because this is where this nation, if something doesn't happen, this is where this nation is headed. Now, you, may, you better listen real close to this right now. Many in this nation, I don't mean just preachers, but I'm talking many politicians, many in this nation would consider what I have just done in the last 40 minutes, they would consider it a hate speech. And, 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 and guess what? They would consider what I did here today to be totally unacceptable. And in the political arena, I would be called fanatical. And there is no doubt they would put me on what is called a terrorist watch list. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And guess who else is going to be on there with me? You, because you're sitting here listening to me. Did you get what I just said? And so now we have, and, and I understand what I can say and I can't say from this pulpit. I understand. How many of you know I'm not a Democrat or a Republican? I think they're both goofed up. I'm for what Jesus is for. But you need to listen real carefully. Now, there was a senator, and I'm well within my bounds can say this. And by the way, I'm not going to let the government tell me what I can and can't preach from this pulpit. Because when the preachers are told by the government what they can and they can't preach from the pulpit, guess what? You're, you're, headed, for, you're headed for the prison cells. I'll go to prison before I let anybody tell me that I can't preach the word of God from this pulpit. Amen. But you need to listen very carefully. Senator Rand Paul filibustered this last week. I don't know if any of you watched that, but... When he was doing that, the Spirit of God was on me, and I, was, I, 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 and I have the right to say this, I was all for what he was doing. Because what he was saying is, is he did not, listen carefully, he just wanted the president to say that he will not use drone strikes on any Americans on American soil who are non-combatants. That's all he wanted. And it took a long time. 24 hours plus to get, he finally got it and all of that. But why do I say that? Because you see, the kind of message that I preached here this morning, it's well within the confines of the word of God. Is it not? Is homosexuality sin or is it not? But for me to say that, that would be considered by many as a hate speech. Now a hate speech would be this. Let's find the homosexuals and let's do away with them. Now that's a hate speech and I'm not saying that. What am I saying? I'm saying let's find them and let's love them and love on them and tell them about Jesus. Amen? Amen. But just me saying homosexuality is sin, that would be considered as a what? A hate speech. Thus, I go on to a terrorist watch list. Thus, 
in an extreme case, do I think this could ever happen where there'd be a drone strike on Pastor Terry? And I, I don't think so. But you know what? They could put me in prison. And you know what? If we look back at history, there are certain countries and things that look so good and so fine. And this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened. And the next thing you know, it's a dictatorial society. And they're doing things in that nation that you never thought would have been possible. They're killing people and murdering people that you never thought would have been possible. Now, do I think that will happen here in the United States? You know, that might be pretty extreme to say that that could ever happen. But dear friends, you need to be, be watchful what's going on. A little thing here, a little thing there. A little thing here, a little thing there. They take this away from us, they take that away from us. They take this away from us. I thought, I thought the politicians were working for us, not the other way around. But the, they, they take this away and they take that away, they take this away, they take that away, and then, you know, they won't come out and admit that, well, we will not use a drone strike on a United States citizen on American soil, uh, a non-combatant. I was for what... Paul Rand, or Senator Rand Paul did. I was all for that. I, I, I sleep a little better at night knowing that the president, whoever he may be, can't order a drone strike on me. How about you? See, and the thing that concerns me, I sit here and I can sense in the spirit, what is he doing? What is he talking about? What is he, you better listen to what I'm saying. You better listen real closely to what I'm saying. No, I don't think he'd ever drone strike me, but what I do think is that eventually they'd put me or somebody like me in prison for preaching a message for what I, what I said here today. And then the next thing, you go right along with me. And the next thing, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Do you hear what the Spirit of God is saying? I don't know if you respect me or not for this message today, but, but this is what the Spirit of God was saying. I'm glad we live in the United States. And I pray, God, that some politicians would stand up and would stand up on behalf of the people and begin to declare the word of God and begin to declare what is right and put away all this political wrangling and all this nonsense and begin to stand for the word of God and let the light of God... I've told you in times past, I'll tell you again. Sayeth the Spirit of the Lord. Things will not change in this nation. They'll not change in the political arena. They'll not change because of, a, of an act of a politician. Things will change in this nation only when my pulpits get back on fire declaring the word of God in an uncompromised manner, not being afraid of anyone or anything, but saying, thus saith the Lord God. And it's thundered with compassion, but it is thundered. Thus saith the Lord. And my ministers would be a flame of fire again. And then the people would let that fire catch on them. And then things would be on fire, the fire of the spirit. And that could go all the way to Washington, D.C. And then the place could be changed for good. But not until the pulpits change and listen to my wooing. Not until my ministers go back in the pulpit and begin to say, thus saith the Lord and stop trying to entertain the people but be oracles of the word of God then and only then could you see a change in this nation and have it turn back to me so pray for the pulpits of America pray that they would be on fire pray yes pray that within the people pray that within the people that there would be a a, a disgruntlement that that the people of God no longer want to be entertained no longer want the status quo of entertainment in a Sunday service but that oh yeah that they would want the fire of the spirit of God that the people would want the fire of the spirit of God and then as the people would demand the fire of the spirit of God then perhaps my ministers would begin to declare thus saith the Lord so pray not only for the pulpits of America but pray for a fire a a desire yeah, a desire for fire within the people. Pray for a desire for fire within the people. And then the pulpits get on 
fire and then the people get on fire and then the fire of God will flow and it can flow from the north uh, to the south. It can flow from the east to the west. This nation can still have its best days, saith the Spirit of the Lord, but not unless the pulpits get on fire and not unless the people get on fire, my people. And be on fire, saith the Spirit of the Lord. Come to the house of God, not looking to be entertained, but come to the house of God, looking to be on fire. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Be on fire, yeah, fire of the Spirit of God. Come to the house looking for the fire. Don't come looking for the smoke of entertainment, but come looking for the smoke of the Spirit of God and the fire of the Spirit of God, that the place would be full of the Spirit of God to the point that you couldn't even stand under it. Yeah, be 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 desirous for that. Be desirous for that. Yeah, and, and then change could come. Stand on your feet and begin to worship God. Hallelujah. 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 Now worship him like you mean it. Don't stand there and just worship him. Worship the Lord. He's worthy of it. Praise God. Worship him. I know that's a little rough, but worship the Lord. Don't just stand there like a dead popsicle. Worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Lift your voices to the Lord. Hallelujah.